baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today I'm speaking with Mark Chinook, founder of the locally famous Monday's Dark fundraising parties, and The Space, the community-driven charity-based arts complex that usually hosts them. But their ninth anniversary is coming up, and that celebration's being held at the Palms. Chances are you've seen and heard Mark, if not at Monday's Dark, then perhaps in Rock of Ages, Magic Mike Live, The Lion King, on ESPN, or announcing at Vegas Golden Knights or Las Vegas Raiders games. Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on. Excited to talk about all things Monday's Dark. Yeah, you know, regular listeners will be familiar with Monday's Dark because I announce the upcoming fundraisers at the end of each show. But for those who don't know, what exactly is Monday's Dark? Uh, first of all, thank you for always, you know, supporting us and, and getting the word out. Monday's Dark, it's a goofy 90-minute variety show that takes place every other Monday at The Space, just off the Strip in Vegas. And in those 90 minutes, you know, all sorts of headliners and entertainers from The Strip show up to perform. And we raise 10000 bucks for a different local nonprofit every other Monday. We never repeat a charity. We always raise 10000 bucks for a different local nonprofit every other Monday. And uh, it's just sort of become this thing that we love to do. And we're celebrating nine years this December. What happens if you don't hit the 10K mark? We never not hit it. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, you know, if we don't do uh, if we don't sell enough tickets or the silent auction doesn't do well enough, we make sure that as an organization, we we write a check for 10,000 bucks. We've never not written a check for 10 grand. And we don't plan on on starting that trend anytime soon. Every every nonprofit that we've partnered with. And I think we've hit about one hundred and sixty five hundred and seventy. I've lost count each have received 10,000 bucks from us. So it's uh, it's a cool party. It's a different way to raise money and awareness for a local nonprofit. Nice. So what originally prompted you to start Monday's Dark? Well, it started nine years ago. Obviously, we're celebrating our ninth anniversary on December 12th. Uh, I was performing in Rock of Ages at the time at the Venetian. And as an entertainer on the strip, we'd be invited to attend local events to, uh, you know, walk a red carpet, take a picture, say hello. I started getting frustrated because I couldn't stay for the actual event. I would I would get there, I would take a picture and I'd have to leave. And I thought there's got to be a better way for us to give back. So the name Monday's Dark comes from the fact that Broadway is traditionally dark on Monday. So Monday was my night off. And I just started calling entertainers in town and said, hey, if I threw an event on Monday night, would you show up and do what you do, which is perform and actually stay for the event? And mm -hmm. uh, that's how it started. And it's taken off. And, you know, now it's kind of a household name in the nonprofit community. And we're starting to get more and more attention just, you know, because of the positions I hold with the Raiders and the Golden Knights. People stop me at games and go, hey, you're that Monday's dark guy. Thanks for all you do for the community. <laughs> when really the thanks is is to the entertainment community. You know, all, our entertainment community in Vegas is really special. We're very tight with each other, supporting of each other, and they continue to turn out and, and donate their time and talent to a worthy cause every other Monday. That's awesome. Did you think it would still be going nine years later when you started it? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> 
you know, and I honestly didn't think I'd still be in Vegas, but that just shows you how special our community is. Uh, we have a huge nonprofit community, a ton of uh, amazing organizations that need our our support. And not only that, it's just a great place to live. Uh, I fell in love with the city and I've been here 10 years. Exactly. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary and uh, I just I love Las Vegas. I love the nonprofit community and and I love what Monday's Dark has been able to do in establishing itself as a a cool way to to support these these programs. We have a wait list of I think 300 local nonprofits waiting to partner with us. So that says something. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I'm a Canadian living in Las Vegas. You're a Canadian living in Las Vegas. We can count tons of Canadians living in Las Vegas. Why do you think it's so appealing to the Canucks? You know, I think it's just, uh, it's the community. It's the people. You know, these buildings that exist on the Strip are one thing. And I think that myth of, you know, when I, I'm sure you got it when you first moved here. Hey, do you live at the Venetian? Yeah, right. <laughs> I got that all the time. I'm I'm a U.S. citizen now. I've been an American citizen longer than I actually lived in Canada. I left Canada at 19. I'm now, I can't say how old I am, but I've spent <laughs> more time in the United States than I have in, in Canada. So, uh, I was very honored and proud to become a U.S. citizen, and uh, I think it's the people. Yeah, I, I know it's the people because it's it's not the no disrespect. It's not the Bellagio fountains that that keep people here. You know, as much as those are are incredible things to see, um, there are almost three million people who live and breathe Las Vegas for a reason. And uh, I love I love my circle of friends. I love meeting new faces. I love high fiving people at sporting events. So for for Cheryl and I, it's the people that make Las Vegas so special and uh, we wouldn't change it for the world. So this is, you know, Monday's Dark is our baby. It's our way of giving back to this incredible community. And, you know, as long as people want help, we're going to continue to help people. Yeah. And, you know, as you alluded to, the entertainers, the entertainers here are like real people. They're genuine. They're real. They're not, hey, don't you know who I am? They're approachable and they care and they love making a difference. And Monday's Dark is just a perfect illustration of that. Yeah, I would agree. Our entertainment community, like I said, is really, really tight. Uh, we all support each other. And I think it it just stems from the fact that when we we get here, we realize how special this community is. Like, uh, I'm the first to admit when when I moved here with Rock of Ages, I thought I was doing six months and then heading back to New York or Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, here I am, like I said, celebrating a decade in, in my opinion, the greatest city in, in the United States. Yeah, I just passed a decade, too. Congrats. November 2012 is when I moved here. So That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Congratulations to you, too. So what sorts of charities and nonprofits receive the funds from Monday's Dark? All, all sorts, you know, and that's one of the toughest jobs. So Monday's Dark partners with 21 nonprofits a year, and we have a board of directors. There are seven members on the board, and it is their job to identify and select 21 charity partners every year. So it's very difficult. That list, like I mentioned, gets distributed in August, late August, every year. And by the middle of September, we've narrowed the list down to about 30 organizations, if it's a majority vote on some. So how it works is the list gets distributed. The the board of directors will go through the list. They'll pick you know their choices. If one charity pops up across the board on five or more of those board members, it's an automatic to the list. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's really no rhyme or reason. We do have one rule and it's that we try to select organizations across the board. So with that, I mean, 
we try to make sure all the boxes get checked. So there's a cancer organization. There's an LGBTQ plus organization. There is an animal rescue. Uh, my favorite is I always pick a local theater company to support every year. So we try to make sure that all of the boxes are checked within those 21 organizations. So that way we're supporting all sorts of nonprofits. You know, it's it's a diverse lineup. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool thing to look at when you see our lineup for the year. It's it's a lot of fun to look at and go, wow, they're they're partnering with everybody over there. And then how do you choose the performers that are going to be showcased at any given night? Does it go with the charity or is it, you know, just great performers who are available to perform that night? So we theme every event, every party. That's first and foremost, we call our, our shows parties. You know, Monday's Dark is a party. It's not a charity event, even though all the proceeds are going to a nonprofit. They're mm -hmm. themed. So let's say, you know, it's a prostate cancer organization. Well, that theme could be an 80s night or a queen night or an Elton John night. We try to separate the charity and the theme. Sometimes they go hand in hand. You know, this past October, we did a, a breast cancer organization and the theme was women who rock the best female rockers of all time. So we had Pat Benatar songs and heart, things of that nature. So we always try to make the theme of the party commercial so people want to come regardless of who the organization is. And that's a win for us. And that's what we found to be a, a successful model is that as long as we're throwing a party that has a commercial theme, our supporters are going to pay 20 bucks, which is the cost of coming to Monday's Dark, regardless of who the charity is, because they know we're picking a great local nonprofit and they're going to hear Elton John music all night from the headliners from the strip. So it's a it's a cool win win, not only for the nonprofit, but for our fan base and our supporters in the community that have, you know, literally come to every event. We have we have a, a, about 100 folks on our list that, you know, buy season tickets to Monday's Dark. So they come to all 21 events and they prepay their tickets at the end of the year. And it's been really cool to see it grow. Yeah, that's great. So what's the theme of the ninth anniversary celebration? So with the, the anniversary that happens every December, we don't theme it. So it's basically a celebration of the partners that we've supported throughout the year. So we invite back all 21 nonprofits and we announce the lineup for the following year. So on our anniversary night, there are 42 local nonprofits represented in the room, not competing with each other. They're just there to celebrate the fact that they're now part of the Monday's Dark family or have been a part of the Monday's Dark family. So it's a cool night for us. Uh, you never know who's really going to show up. We do announce the lineup uh, this coming week. So we're going to actually announce who's going to be there. A lot of great shows from the strip are represented. And, you know, it, it's just a great night to celebrate the year that we've had in supporting the 21 nonprofits. And it's the first time publicly that we announce the 21 nonprofits for next year, 2023. So you hold it at the Pearl at the Palms instead of at the space. Is that because 42 nonprofits and all their friends and supporters don't fit at the space? Or? Yeah, 100 percent. This is okay. this is a blowout. So we normally see 350 to 400 patrons every other Monday at the space. And that's our capacity here. When you bring in 42 nonprofits and it's an anniversary event, it gets a lot more attention than our bimonthly events. So we need a big room. And the, the the amazing people at the Palms, the San Manuel tribe, who just recently took over operations of the Palms, are, are great Monday's Dark supporters. And there's no better room, in my opinion, for what we do than the Pearl. 
it's a big room, but it's also very intimate. So we're going to probably have around 1700, 1800 in the room celebrating our ninth anniversary on December 12th. Awesome. Okay. So how do listeners get tickets to the ninth anniversary party or find out more about upcoming Monday's dark shows and other things happening at the space? Super easy. Mondaysdark.com. It's as simple as that. It's Monday with an S, mondaysdark.com. A uh, simple landing page there. There's a little information on the organization. We actually have all the past uh, charity partners listed there as well. But tickets are 20 bucks. The show is going to be about 90 minutes, maybe two hours. I might push it a little longer because it is, after all, our anniversary. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about it. We've got an amazing silent auction planned. We're going to have over 100 items on the silent auction, which is perfect for, you know, this time of year. It's holiday season, people buying gifts for each other. There's literally something for everyone on this silent auction. Items starting at 50 bucks all the way up to trips to who knows where in the thousands of dollar price range. If you're a sports fan with all of my connections, there's definitely a ton of sports memorabilia signed by athletes and tickets to events. You name it, it's on our silent auction. But all things this anniversary are going to be on mondaysdark.com. Uh, if you've never been to an event, this is obviously a fun one to, to check out because it's our biggest. And then you come and join us throughout the year at, back at the space for a much more intimate party. But we're really excited about the ninth anniversary. We've got a ton of fun things planned. Uh, and it's just going to be a great show for our community. Is the show at 8 p.m., same as normal Monday's Dark shows? Yeah, same. Doors at 7. We encourage people to come early to uh you know to just get in the will call line obviously is going to be long we've i think we're at 12 or 1300 tickets already with two weeks to go so we're definitely going to sell it out will call is always a challenge for when you go to a big event so we encourage people to come early there's going to be like i said this huge silent auction we've got an amazing raffle planned uh there's a chapel in the pearl theater that I believe somebody can have their wedding vows renewed. One of our producers of the show said, Mark, you're going to you're going to renew somebody's vows on the ninth anniversary. <laughs> I said, OK, I'll do whatever you want as long as it's for charity. So that's in the works. You know, obviously the big step and repeat and the photo booths and all of that fun stuff. So, you know, come down early, grab a bite to eat on property and then get in that room doors at seven show at eight. Uh, and it's going to it's just going to be a night to remember. OK, awesome. And ticket prices are the same as just a regular show as well. Yeah, always. Uh, we have, you know, tickets are always $20. We have some $50 tickets for some uh, some orchestra seats. But as always, Monday's Dark is always a $20 ticket. I think we have, as of today, I think we have 30 $50 tickets left. The rest are at the $20 level. So uh, things are going incredibly well, and we're excited to pack the place. Cool. Okay. So once again, mondaysdark.com is the website, mondaysdark.com. And the ninth anniversary party is coming up on Monday, December 12th, showtime at eight, doors are at seven, and plenty of stuff to do there. We're going to have silent auctions and of course, fantastic show. So once again, Monday, December 12th at the Palms, showtime at eight, doors at seven. For all the information or to get tickets, go to mondaysdark.com. And the next year's Monday's Dark shows are going to be there soon as well. So check that out, mondaysdark.com. And Mark, I want to thank you so much for being here, for letting us know about the anniversary party and everything that you do with Monday's Dark, and also for making the community a better place. Because I really think people love Monday's Dark. They love that it's a regular fundraiser party not just fundraising event, but regular fundraising party that they can get involved with twice a month, 
You know, they can go out once a year, they can go out four times a year, six times a year. I know a ton of people who just love Monday's Dark. So congratulations on the ninth anniversary. And thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for doing what you do. Thank you so much for always supporting and allowing me to come on and get the word out. You know, like you said, it's it's I think it's the best 20 bucks spent in Vegas. You never know who's going to show up. And it always goes to a, an incredible cause here in, in Vegas. We we love what we do, but we couldn't do it without folks like yourself and everybody who turns up to the parties and has a great time with us. So thanks again. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I got to tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation. And it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today, I'm speaking with Pietra Sardelli, producer for the 34th annual Ribbon of Life Holiday Spectacular to support Golden Rainbow. Golden Rainbow is a nonprofit organization that provides housing and financial assistance to people living with HIV AIDS in Southern Nevada, and Ribbon of Life is happening this weekend. The show remains one of the largest and most successful annual HIV fundraisers in the state. Pietra, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on. So could you give us a brief history of Golden Rainbow and why it was founded in the first place? Well, in the 80s, the organization was formed in 1987. In the early 80s, when the epidemic was so horrifying, people didn't know how you got it. Dancers would refuse to dance with male dancers. They would burn costumes if somebody passed away. And in this fear and misinformation, a young dancer contracted the disease and was forced to live and eventually die in the garage of his family's home. Wow. And it was then that the perform yeah, it's awful. And it was in it the performers up and down the strip said, That's it, never again. And they began a benefit show. And at that time the show was called Golden Rainbow. And then it became a nonprofit and the show was renamed to Ribbon of Life. And since nineteen eighty seven, members of the entertainment community have gotten together and for no fee and put together a benefit show for Golden Rainbow. What sets Golden Rainbow apart from other HIV AIDS organizations in Southern Nevada? Well, our um, early motto was when no one else can, we can. So the nice thing is, is that we work with the other organizations and we support them when there's something that they can't uh, meet or need, then they'll come to us and we'll find ways to help with emergency assistance and now um, getting back into our roots of, of housing. So we've focused predominantly on housing um, and relied on other organizations with some of the social work. But now we are working with education. And and originally, as sad as it is to say, Golden Rainbow was a hospice for HIV people. It was a safe, comfortable place for people to live out the last few days or weeks of their life after having contracted AIDS. So with the changes in medicine and the change in the disease, people live longer. 
Yeah. There are a lot of other medical conditions that come along with it. There's social stigma. There are, um, you know, one long stay in a hospital, you can lose your job. So that's why we've transitioned. So we'll assist with housing, we'll assist with education, with helping people understand their medication, understanding the disease, creating, a, just pre-COVID we've started, of course, doing yoga and doing things that helped create a sort of a, a social base so people didn't feel so isolated. And that's our trajectory now is rather than a handout, it's a hand up to get people set on their feet, understanding how to make things better and then moving on. Nice. Okay. So this is the 34th annual Ribbon of Life. When was the last one held before this year? 2019, if my COVID math is not completely <laughs> off. I think we Sounds right to me, pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. Historically, we've done the show in June. So this is our first holiday spectacular. Okay. And a lot of organizations had their last big fundraiser in 2019 before their current ones this year. And it seems mm -hmm. like the energy around it is like, wow, we get to celebrate again. We get to have fun while we're raising funds for an amazing cause. So what can people expect this year when they go to this Ribbon of Life fundraiser? Well, this one, um, as I mentioned, is different because it is, we are, we're doing holiday themes. So we have some traditional songs and then there are songs that are not Christmas that they, the idea was that it evokes a feeling we wanted to create rather than the big spectacle that we've done, which was just this incredible uh, variety act of um, different numbers up and down the strip. This one is the same spectacular talent, but in a homey holiday feel. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think one of the most beautiful things was in getting information for people from the program, watching them write, reading as they wrote that, you know, it's so, it's so great to be a part of this organization. It's so great to be supporting again. And it's a big reunion, I think, for a lot of casts. So there's just an energy that comes with this show because they're not coming to work. They all came for free. And these are also people who were hit really hard in the pandemic because shows closed. Yeah. So they got back on their feet, they got back to work, and then they are donating their time, which the heart of the Las Vegas entertainment community is incredible. It is um, a beautiful, beautiful gift. They come back every, well, 34 years they've been coming back. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just ramble. I don't, I don't even know, Heather, if I've gotten to your question, but by <laughs> God, there's some sort of answer in there and I'm throwing it at you. <laughs> Who are some of the performers that are going to be featured this year? We have Reckless in Las Vegas. We have Elliot with uh, Two T's, Legends in Concert. We've got uh, performers, just, they're the people, a lot of them that you would see around lounges in town. Murray Sawchuk is doing the show. Fabulous. Uh, Zoe Bowie. There's, there's so many. I'm trying to think of everyone. We've got um, people from Tape Face are coming and RuPaul's know, Drag uh, Race. Yeah, I got RuPaul in. Yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race is in there. Desert Dog Dancers, Excite the Show, MJ Live, um, X Country somebody from love and we have uh i was excited too that tape face is doing it we were all taking a bet that he was going to do silent <laughs> night but that's not what he's that's not what's happening but we thought it would so it, there's there's so many different casts and we'll get one or two people from shows or a bat out of hell so it's just it's just incredible and we're hoping um the chippendales will usually make an appearance so we're hoping to see them yeah i can i can imagine why <laughs> yeah well you know it's, yeah, for, it's, it's always great to see the Chippendales. Right? <laughs> always, always great to see the Chippendales. Yeah, you showgirls. It's um, there's something for everyone at our show. That's a lot of top performers. What exactly is involved in putting on a major event like this? Oh my goodness, 
It's it's a community effort. I have um, we have three uh, directors who worked with the show: um, Andy Wright, Nicholas Foote, and Jenny Ammon. And they have either choreographed numbers previously or choreographed and danced in them as well. So they've been in the show for years. So we've got three directors. Uh, we reach out to the entertainment community, asking who's got time, who can get involved. And you know, Christmas there's a little more challenging because there are people who could take paying gigs and they're not, they're, they're going to do our show. Um, The office, Gary Costa, our executive director is just phenomenal at herding cats. I think is what it is because Mm -hmm. we are, um, we're getting money for our programs. We're asking, you know, looking for ads, we're looking for, for sponsors and making sure that, you know, what, that they have an audience getting people into the seats. And it's a lot of different wrangling because as they are making up their ideas, sometimes they'll change and they'll say, oh, I want to do this song. Shoot, this song, someone's got that song. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Or they send something and you're like, what if, could you add a dancer? And so it's a lot of finagling. And they've just been so great. We got um, Dustin Rodriguez, who's uh, performed in town forever. He sent an email and he goes, I don't, where do you, where do you, want, where do you need me? And sure enough, um, we've got a spot for him and Brendan Nix to sing Oh Holy Night. So it's just, it's a lot of, uh, of guesswork and small stress moments, but it's, it's <laughs> So what will be happening besides the variety show performances? We have a silent auction, um, which we've got some really, really wonderful things. We actually have a designer who did some beautiful trees that we'll, we'll be auctioning off as well, just something new for the, you know, different for the holiday auction. So we have the silent auction at 11. We'll have a, a step and repeat and our, our cast performers, and we usually have entertainers who will come out to the show as well. And then we'll uh, have the show. And then after we have an after party in the banner room at the Tropicana Hotel. Cool. And that the, the performers come in, they mingle with everybody, let loose. It's always been fun. The after party is actually becoming as popular as the show now, I think. Yeah, that sounds like fun. What exactly do the proceeds go to support? Is it just Golden Rainbow in general or is it allocated to specific programs? Typically, it is overall to general fund. But uh, this year, we are focusing on our capital campaign. Um, we are looking to expand our, our property. So we will be making a specific ask to people to donate toward the capital campaign. Okay. So it's kind of last minute, but it sounds exciting. So how do listeners get tickets to the 34th annual Ribbon of Life Holiday Spectacular or find out more about Golden Rainbow in general? Both of those things can happen at goldenrainbow.org. And at the menu bar, you can hit events and Ribbon of Life will be an option and it'll have purchase tickets right there. You can also purchase tickets through the Tropicana Hotel. So I would encourage everyone to take a look to learn a little bit more about Golden Rainbow. We're a a unique organization and and I love that there's a spirit of collaboration within the organization. I think that comes from working with cast members. So we like to support the community overall. Okay, awesome. So the event is this Sunday. It's December 4th, which is now this weekend. (laughs) It is upon us. December 4th at one o'clock in the afternoon. Nice afternoon show. You can come in, see the show, you're home, relaxing in the evenings, watching your programs or whatever people do. (laughs) Yeah. And then it happens at the Legends and Concert Theater at the Tropicana? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so once again, goldenrainbow.org is the website to go to, goldenrainbow.org, whether you want to find out more about Golden Rainbow and what they do on a regular basis, or if you want to get tickets to the 34th annual Ribbon of Life Holiday Spectacular. That is happening this weekend, Sunday, December 4th. The show is at 1 p.m., and it happens at the Legends in Concert Theater at the Tropicana Las Vegas. 
And Pietra, it sounds like such a fantastic time. I hope some of the listeners are able to go out there and jump on it and have fun. So I appreciate you being here and sharing with us what you guys are doing and especially for all the work that you're doing in the community. It's amazing. So I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. We greatly appreciate you. And you did so well there. Um, any other interviews that come up, we may just call you. You, you were, you were, you were <laughs> Great. Um, thank you so much for getting the word out. And we do hope to see your listeners at our show. And I'd love them to come up and let me know that they heard, uh, they heard it on your radio. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Pietra. Hey, son. How are you feeling? Um, I'm fine, Pops. What's on your mind? I just... I can't explain it. Navigating without a compass. Eyes waiting. Started to wonder. Metamorphosis. The loss of who you thought you was. When your kid can't find the language, help them find the lyrics. Listen to the Sound It Out album and get tips and tools to start a conversation at SoundItOutTogether.org. Brought to you by Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today, I'm speaking with Tom Schininger, Dean of Students at the Las Vegas Day School, or LVDS. Tom has spent the last 20 years as a teacher, coach, guidance counselor, and administrator at LVDS, the oldest non-secular private elementary and middle school in Nevada. The school's National Junior Honor Society is committed to improving the environment, and they recently planted 15 mature trees in Firefighters Memorial Park. That's on top of the 60 they planted last year for the school's 60th anniversary. Tom, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Where exactly is the Las Vegas Day School located? Um, we are at the corner of Desert Inn Road and Jones Boulevard. We've been there quite a while. I'd say that when we, the school was founded, I want to say Desert Inn Road was a dirt road, and I believe the same for Jones. So it's a uh, city's <laughs> definitely grown around us in the last 60 years. Yeah. So besides obviously having a very long established history in the city, what sets the Las Vegas Day School apart from other educational choices in the Valley? You know, I think there's a lot of good choices in Las Vegas Valley. I think it's really a, a lot about finding the right match for what families uh, want for their kiddos, you know, and what we offer our, our students and their family is a traditional kind of a school setting with you know, there's definitely some rules and regulation, a lot of discipline, uh, but also a lot of uh, structure, a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, kind of those old school tenants that people still believe uh, kind of carry through to success, working hard, knowing how to treat people, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So why is the school supporting community improvement initiatives by planting trees? I'll I tell you, it's probably, probably two things, right? Like, one, I, and, and most important for us, it's about teaching our kiddos kind of that if they want to have a nice community, there's a couple things that you, that you have to do, right? And first and foremost is you have to take care of what you already have. Mm -hmm. And so that's you know us going out there and cleaning up that park. I think we picked up over 20 pounds of micro trash is what they call it, you know, cigarette butts and all the nasty stuff in the park. So we got mm -hmm. a bunch of that stuff, but also it's it's also if you can add to it, right? Or you know, increase the value of something because you were present in there. I think that's something that we want to teach our kids to do too. So not just clean up, but also planting trees to make it a little bit nicer. You know, and I think I think that's the the big push that we had for our kids. But you know, also the the other side why we do it is too is you know we all live in this community and we have a a very robust park system in Las Vegas. We're very lucky, and anything we can do to add to that to enhance it to make it better for our 
our families and their community around it. We're all about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Why did you choose Firefighters Memorial Park specifically? Mainly location. It's less than 10 minutes away from our school, so it was kind of nice. Um, we wanted to make sure it was something that was kind of accessible to our kids. You know, something they drove by probably quite a few times throughout their lives and never even knew it was there. Um, and it's a nice park. It's one I think that kind of gets overlooked a lot, but it's in a, it's in a real central location. Um, it wasn't beat up or anything like that, but it definitely could use some filling in with trees. So um, we were kind of tipped off. So that's something that maybe we could help out with. And like I said, we jumped at the chance. It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to help out, but also for, for us to teach some lessons to our kids along the way, which is always good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Tell us more about the specific student group that was involved in the planting. Oh, our National Junior Honor Society. That's our best and brightest. Um, these are kiddos that, you know, we, we like to pride ourselves at Las Vegas Day School kind of being a year advanced academically um, in most areas. And these kids go above and beyond that. These are best and brightest. They have high GPAs. They work very hard to obtain those GPAs. But also on top of it, they have to be well-behaved, good citizens at our school. So they all have an A average in citizenship. So that means that they behave themselves in class. They're good leaders for other students, um, kind of leading the way and showing everybody how it's done. So they are definitely the, the ones we like to show off, but also the ones that we like to uh, you know, acknowledge that they're doing it the right way so that others can follow that lead. Do they represent the whole age range from K to 8? Uh, well, we had our National Junior Honor Society begins in seventh grade. It was seventh and eighth, but just the kiddos that went out were our eighth graders. It was kind of a, a special treat for being in there all the way through eighth grade. It's a little bit harder curriculum, um, and our numbers are pretty big, so it also helped us kind of get a manageable group over the park and didn't, you know, ascend sixty-five kids on the park at once. I don't know if that would have been exactly productive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's nice that the eighth graders get to leave their legacy on the park before moving on to high school next year. That's exactly what some of our point was. They can go back, they drive by, and they get the, hey, I remember when, and I was a part of that. And uh, it's neat. And it was nice. Like last year, we went and we planted 60 trees, kind of commemorate our 60th anniversary. It was nice to go back and kind of see those trees um, and you see how they've grown and if they've made it. And kind of feel like you were a part of something, making something a little bit better. And that's the nice thing about doing trees, right? They'll, they'll be there probably probably as long as we are on this planet. So it's neat. You can come back for quite a while and see the work that you've done. Yeah, exactly. What other types of philanthropic projects do the students work on? Um, well, for, for uh, at day school, we, we require 20 hours of community service as a graduation requirement for our eighth graders. But our National Junior Honor Society will do uh, be a part of clothing drives and food drives and all sorts of things, especially with the holidays coming up, um, helping families in need. And I, I know they do fundraisers and they go and they shop for families for toiletries and items for Christmas and things like that. So especially in the holidays, like we, I think everybody is in the city, everybody's very involved with community and charity work. And our NJHS and our eighth graders are no exception to that. Awesome. So are there opportunities for kids, if the parents are listening and they're like interested in having their kids attend the school, are there opportunities to start this year, like after Christmas holiday, or would they wait until, let's say, next year to Absolutely. apply? It's not too late. Um, I would say, you know, once we start getting closer into spring, obviously it gets a little tougher because you're kind of 
starting three quarters of the way through the year that that's a little bit harder for a kiddo to to manage the change and adjustment. But yeah, still now, absolutely. Uh, we have openings in some great wait lists and, and others. But if I would say that if families are interested, they could definitely check us out on our website. And from there, it's um, just a phone call and an application and set up a tour uh, to kind of see what we're about and see if it's a right fit for for them and their kiddos. Okay. Now you mentioned that the school's been around now 61 years because last mm-hmm. year was your 60th anniversary mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. the oldest non-secular private elementary middle school. How has the school changed besides the fact that it started in dirt road and now there's obviously yeah. a lot of yeah. <laughs> a lot of development around uh-huh. it, but how has it changed in those six decades? I mean, some things have changed. Some things stayed pretty steady, right? I would say the, the biggest change that's kind of occurred is just our size you know, just like the Valley, right? The city has gotten so much bigger than the last 25 years. And our, our school is no different to that. We, we've definitely we've doubled in size since I've been there in 20 years. Um, but it's just been something that we've had to do to keep pace. But it's also something that we, we pay particularly attention to make sure that we stay, stay steadfast to our values and, and what we believe is the right way to prepare kids for the next level. And that's really what we hang our hat on is we want to make sure that when kids are they leave the day school that they're ready and more than ready for whatever is up in front of them. And that's why we, we work so hard on skills and st- like study skills and organization. We just feel like that's something that can benefit kids for the rest of their lives until they're not kids anymore. Yeah. So besides the community service, the study skills, the working hard, what are some of the other values that the school represents? I think what we try to do, too, is not obviously the working hard and the discipline but two other things, it's just trying to know how to treat people and then also how to allow other people to treat you, right? It's setting, you know, treating people, obviously, just the way that you handle yourself, the way that you treat other people with respect and dignity and kindness. But when you're talking about how you let other people treat you, that's setting, you know, healthy boundaries, making sure you're not getting taken advantage of, making sure people see you for your worth and what, you, what you're worth and treating you the way that you want to be treated. And I think if you get those two things combined with a strong work ethic, I don't know too many people with those three things that aren't successful and happy. And that's really what we're shooting for, for our families. Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned the website. Can you give us the web address where listeners could find out more about the school and even potentially apply for their students to go there? Yeah. I mean, the website just as simple as it is www.lvds.com. That's Las Vegas Day School. And from there, you can you can surf it and check it out. We've got a really nice website, actually. I will I will brag it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> and the marketing team did a great job on it. It looks fantastic. But from there, you should be able to take a virtual tour, look around the campus, and if you're interested, give us a call. We do we do tours Monday through Thursday during normal school hours. Obviously, during the summertime as well. Um, I think it's I think that's important for families that are interested in private education to you know get their boots on the ground and. And, you know, get their hands in it and see it and, and see what's right. If it's right match. I really I really think that's the key word. Right. Is it the right match for what you're looking for, for your child and for your family? And I think the best thing to do is, like I said, start the search a little bit on the Internet, but finish it with your with your eyes and yourself on campus. That's I don't think there's anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so LVDS.com is the website, stands for Las Vegas Day School, LVDS.com. From there, you can check out the virtual tours, you can apply there, but first you should take a real tour, that's Monday through Thursday, so you can set it up on the website, and again, LVDS.com. 
And Tom, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know what the students are doing to improve the community and how they're bettering themselves as well as bettering the community. So I think it's great what you're doing there. And thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I really appreciate it. The future depends on teachers. Every day, teachers are shaping our tomorrows, starting their students on journeys that will change the course of history. Right now, in a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who will make preventing pandemics their life's work, sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who will help combat climate change and generating possibilities for a student who will be the first in their family to graduate college. It all starts with teachers who meet challenges with creativity, who reinvent education for the future, who work towards a school system that lifts up every child, regardless of race, income, or zip code, and who enable the full potential of our students, our communities, and our country. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Shape the future. Teach. Learn more and receive free support at teach.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me today is Dr. Renee Ryberg, research scientist with Child Trends. Child Trends is a nonpartisan research and analysis group focused on improving the lives of children and youth, especially those who are most vulnerable. They recently conducted a study that showed a decline in childhood poverty across the nation, including almost 55% in Nevada. Renee, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. What does Child Trends do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, we do research on just about every element of children's lives uh, with the goal of sharing it with policymakers and practitioners to Im improve their well-being. Okay. And what prompted the study on childhood poverty? Yeah, so childhood poverty has actually been declining for quite a long time. And we set out to describe this decline in child poverty, quantify it, see how big it is, and understand what led to it. Okay. And what did you discover about those points? Yeah, so this is actually a remarkable success story. Uh, the U.S. has seen a huge decline in child poverty over the past 25 years. In 1993, when this decline started, just more than one in four kids were living in poverty. You fast forward 25 years later to 2019, about one in 10 kids were living in poverty. So child poverty has been cut by more than half over the past quarter century. Um, and we found that this was largely due to growth in the social safety net, as well as a strong economy. Okay. Now, the numbers go to 2019 pre-COVID so what do you project would be the trend during the pandemic and after the pandemic? Do you think it continued to decline or would it have increased again? Yeah, so the Census Bureau actually has recently put out these numbers. So we do know what happened and child poverty continued to decline through the pandemic. Child poverty declined to 2020 and then declined again in 2021. So child poverty is actually at a record low as of 2021, about one in 20 kids were living in poverty. And this decline has been attributed in particular to the federal efforts put in place during the pandemic. So in 2020, the stimulus checks in mm -hmm. particular, in 2021, the expanded child tax credit. Okay. And how does Nevada stack up against the rest of the country? Yeah. So child poverty declined in all 50 states and D.C., 
In Nevada, child poverty declined by about 55%. It's a little less than the national average, but that's a huge decline in child poverty that Nevada should pause and celebrate. In Nevada, child poverty rates started lower than the national average in 1993. They continued to be lower than the national average through 2019. So that's another you know, good news for Nevada. Is there anything specific that points to why Nevada wasn't quite as good as the rest of the country? Yeah, I, I looked into that a little bit. And one thing that stood out to me is that Nevada has some of the highest unemployment rates in the country. Okay. Um, and that could that could definitely be a barrier to lowering child poverty rates. Okay. Now, we can just sit here and say, okay, cool, it's declining, don't have to do anything. But is it going to continue naturally declining? Or is there action that listeners should take to make sure that child poverty numbers continue to decline and maybe even more than they have? Yeah, the work is not over. Child poverty still affects millions of children in our country. um, And there's definitely a lot of work left to be done. We're recommending two kind of parallel paths forward to continue and accelerate this momentum. First, we need to make sure that work is a viable way for families to support their children, um, make sure that families earn enough to put food on the table and pay the bills. And this can be done through policy interventions like higher minimum wages that pay the bills with affordable and accessible childcare that allow parents to work. Along those same lines, universal paid and family medical leave. Mm -hmm. And then when work doesn't work in terms of economic downturns or other smaller crises, we also need a strong, equitable social safety net so that all families, all children have something to fall back on in times of need. Okay, awesome. So where can our listeners go to learn more about child trends or your various studies? Yeah, you can check out our website at childtrends.org, and you can find me on Twitter as well. Okay, and what's your Twitter handle? It is Rebergrenee, R-Y-B-E-R-G-R-E-N-E-E. Okay, awesome. So once again, childtrends.org is the website to go to for child trends, childtrends.org. And if you want to connect with Dr. Renee Ryberg, it's Renee on Twitter at Ryberg Renee, R-Y-B-E-R-G-R-E-N-E-E. <laughs> All right. And Dr. Renee Ryberg, thank you so much for being here today and sharing the data with us. It's absolutely great news. And I do hope that those trends continue. So I appreciate your time being here and spreading the word. Thank you. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today, I'm speaking with Ashley Ross, Head of Client Experience and Retail Client Solutions at Bank of America. Ashley's responsible for the overall client experience strategy across consumer and small business and manages feedback from Bank of America's 80 million clients. Ashley, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Heather. Appreciate you having me on your show today. 
So how has the consumer experience evolved with new technology and the current economic environment? Yeah, absolutely. Consumer spending is still strong, but customer perceptions may be impacted by the news of inflation. Rising prices are putting pressure on consumers' wallets and may impact their financial decisions. So when considering inflation and the potential impact on their spending decisions, we see even more demand from customers for meaningful and personalized experience. So, for example, customers say, if I'm going to pay more for a company's product, I expect excellent customer service for them. So, neglecting to have that differentiated, impactful client experience to show customers how much you value them is a major risk. So, what should consumers look for when they're looking for brands to do business with? Well, we know that customers expect to be treated as individuals. Mm -hmm. And they want companies who understand what they're going through, companies to acknowledge their reality and that their needs are changing every day. And customers should really look for businesses that can create a tailored experience, personalized solutions for them every time. And additionally, customers should feel that the brands they support listen to them and follow through by taking action. I know here at Bank of America, we have a million surveys a month that we listen to to make sure we're driving personalized experience. So really, it's all about looking for a company who will listen to your feedback and create that personalized experience just for you. Give us some examples of what you mean by personalized experiences. Yeah, absolutely. We know that customers want to feel like you know them and that you deliver an experience that is personalized exactly for them. So I can give you a personal example related to my favorite cup of coffee, which is a pumpkin coffee. I can go into the app and I can customize that exactly the way I want it and have it waiting for me right at the mobile counter. So that's a great example of service that is um, convenient and also personalized specifically just for me, just the way I like it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What percentage of consumers switch affinity based on having poor customer service experiences? Well, we know that poor customers' experience can can make or break the relationship that the customer has with the brand. And nowadays, clients have more and more choices, especially in this inflationary environment. They'll be looking to continue to do businesses with those brands who deliver that personalized experience. And if it's not there, they may switch to a different company who will. So since we are in an environment of fear around recession, what can consumers do during this time to improve their financial health? Yeah, absolutely. I would say two main things. The first one is to track and plan for new spending habits. As costs and fees rise due to inflation, it can be difficult to accurately regulate your short-term and your long-term spending. Leveraging digital tools to keep tabs on your spending can really help mitigate that stress of increasing prices by helping you closely monitor your expenses. The second thing that I would say is get rewarded for your everyday spending. Layer your loyalty and reward programs together if you can to maximize the discounts and perks on all of your purchases. We're constantly looking for ways to reward our clients And as we come to the end of the year, there's so many festivities and celebrations, but it can also be a stressful time with the influx of 
um, holiday expenses as well. So this year, as we all navigate inflation and higher prices, we know that many of our clients are looking for ways to stretch their dollars even further. So I think it's those two things in combination, track and plan for new spending habits, and make sure you're getting rewarded for your everyday spending. Yeah, awesome. Okay. What are some of the latest tools and resources that are available to help listeners track their spending habits? Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to a few different things. The first thing is really building your knowledge and in, in getting credible financial education and resources. Better Money Habits is a free financial education platform that offers a lot of that resources and advice on topics. Also, leverage experts. Um, there's digital tools that we have that make it simple and easy for clients to access and track their accounts. Uh, but we also have experts that are there to give advice on solutions when needed, either in person at a branch or over the phone. So it's really a combination of building your knowledge, leveraging digital capabilities to manage your money, and knowing that there's always experts there to help you as well. Okay, awesome. So where can people find out more? You mentioned Better Money Habits. That sounds great. Where can they find that as well as other information if they're interested in either Bank of America services or financial health in general? Yeah, absolutely. Bankofamerica.com is where you can access all the information about our tools and capabilities, whether it's our digital and mobile banking or tools like LifePlan, which is a digital experience where clients can set and track short and long-term goals. And you can also find out more about Better Money Habits um, on our site as well. Okay, awesome. So once again, it's bankofamerica.com, bankofamerica.com, and you want to look for better money habits, but they have a lot of tools and resources there as well. And Ashley, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know some tips and tools to get us through these times. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. I'm a wife and the mother of two kids, and I've got a good job. Bye, Mom. See you, Mom. A pretty important job. Because of my family and my job, I really care about this neighborhood. It's a good neighborhood. Yes, there's some crime. And when I drive to work, like now, I realize that some people here don't trust the police. So the police should be reaching out to this community. And this community should reach out to the police. That's the way to make this a safer place. And when I get to work in the precinct house and put on my uniform, I can tell you, as a police officer, that this department is reaching out to the community. And the community is doing its part. We're building partnerships. This should be happening everywhere. This is how we can all be safer. Get involved. Start the conversation. Start the conversation and help stop crime. To learn the five things you can do, go to ncpc.org slash preventviolentcrime. A message from the National Crime Prevention Council and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. The 34th annual Ribbon of Life Holiday Spectacular to support Golden Rainbow is happening this weekend, but it's not too late to attend. The red carpet starts at 11 a.m. on Sunday, December 4th, with showtime at 1 p.m. at the Legends in Concert Theater in the Tropicana, Las Vegas. This is one of the largest and most successful annual HIV fundraisers in the state. Buy your tickets or find out more at goldenrainbow.org slash ribbonoflife. 
That's goldenrainbow.org slash ribbon of life. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is celebrating nine years of bringing you a bi-monthly musical fundraising party. The ninth anniversary extravaganza is happening Monday, December 12th at 8 p.m. at the Palms with doors at 7 p.m. Get tickets or find out all the details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. Opportunity Village is holding their annual Magical Forest events through December 31st at the Magical Forest on the Opportunity Village campus, 6300 West Oakey. Get your tickets and find out all the event times and dates at opportunityvillage.org. That's opportunityvillage.org. And Make-A-Wish Southern Nevada is holding their second annual Trailblaze Challenge presented by Subaru of Las Vegas from February 3rd to 5th, 2023 with a 12-week training happening now. This is a 26.2-mile hike through the Valley of Fire backcountry in Mesquite with the goal of raising $300,000 to grant wishes for children with critical illnesses in Southern Nevada. Sign up or find out more information at wish.org slash snv slash trailblaze. That's wish.org slash snv slash trailblaze. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 